This is the Atomic Shoreman Sweat Lodge. He's controversial. Wait, babe, shut it down. Some say antisocial. You guys are unironically making me want to fucking hang myself. If there's a OSHA regulation, he's doing exactly what the feds want you to. He's violating it. This is totally not legal advice, but like, ignore every law that is annoying for you. The man they call Windigo. Offensive, shocking, racist, and most importantly, unfunny as hell. There's no humor or jokes other than black people bad, racist, and funny. Slurs funny, etc. If you're 12 years old or under, maybe you'll find some enjoyment. If you're an adult, you'll not find much here. Her milkers bring the boys to the yard. I'm gonna go out and get plastered tonight so that I can make a bunch of good decisions. She has dank memes and weed. And I can grab the link if you guys want it. But she can aid your spiritual realm needs. How many coincidences before it's mathematically impossible? She's Brandy. And you're listening to shit and you're letting your kids listen to it. Worship Travis Scott. Worship Travis Scott. Travis Scott is amazing. Travis Scott loves you. Everything is Travis Scott. Travis Scott world. Astro world. This is the place to be. Blah, 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 blah. He's the resident sound hound. Have you ever seen a prolapsed anus before? <laughs> the audio wizard in the acoustic blizzard. Damn. Fixed and post-editing, bitches. You can find him in luchador tights. I'm young and reckless. Hell yeah. The man of a thousand sound bites. Do not clip that. That's terrible. Give it up for Van Rollington. I have an OnlyFans page, and, you know, my boyfriend is actually one of my followers, so haha. The graphics guru of digital visuals. Okay, so we're gonna move on to the meat and potatoes of the show. He puts the Aspen aesthetics. And someone accused me of being a rabbi more times than I can count. The tribal chief himself. I just went in, shook the boss's hand, and he gave me the job. Klaus Newhouse. It started off like very interesting, and then it started getting really degenerate towards the end, you know. Special guests. He's one bad mister. Hey, uh, my name is Finkelstein, just like an American, just like you. Who gets drunker faster than your sister? Oh, God, come on. When he's not playing Mario RPG. Mario, let's see how you're gonna take care of Bowser. He makes videos on culpable degeneracy. Welcome to culpable degeneracy three or four. I'm not sure which one it is now. I'm pretty drunk. That tends to be the theme of this show. He's Sinister Charlie. So, yeah, there you go. There's your little teaser, or the fuck that was. 56 seconds of nothing. Are you ready, kids? Aye, aye, Captain! This high-racking expert might hold AQ-level clearance. It's no secret that the best thing about a secret is secretly telling someone your secret. Secretly. He might have entered a tunnel entrance near Morro Bay. To left in Hawthorne, Nevada, and surfaced in Corder Lane, Idaho. He might have gone to the depths of Bikini Bottom, or possibly Agatha. He's Doppler. But White Boy Summer remains. Welcome to the Atomic Shoreman Sweat Lodge. Oh, for everybody who has survived No Nut November, it is now Destroy Dick December. Christ. And I have no idea where Brandy is, but maybe she'll turn up. Destroying some so dick. So on with current events.
So I wanted to cover this last week, and I forgot to throw it in, but Sesame Street is now debuting the first Asian-American Muppet in the show's history, a seven-year-old girl with Korean heritage named Ji Young. She was pictured with Ernie, and memes were spawning about him being a libertarian guy with an Asian wife. Yeah, baby! (laughs) So Rosenbaum, Huber, and Grosskreutz... Uh, were named honorary blacks, and Joseph Rosenbaum was granted a posthumous inward pass by Sean King. He had earned his right to say the inward, according to King. That's right! Will Smith said uh, he had so much sex he would throw up. The 52-year-old explained that because he was having so much rampant sex, he developed a psychosomatic reaction to orgasming, and sometimes vomited during the act. And I guess now we know what he meant by getting jiggy with it. The fact that they were men, but you know. And as he's chalking up the L's, chalk up another win for Carlton Banks on this one. <laughs> Is Carlton dancing? Will Smith gets pegged. <laughs> I had another joke for this, but I couldn't remember it. Um, we have some more news uh, about buck breaking, but it isn't the oh, no. kind that Tariq Nasheed's uh, violent sexual fantasy was all about. So the oh, Dollar oh, Tree oh, is raising its prices to a dollar twenty-five, officially breaking the buck for good. Not true. I was just there. Okay, it's not dollar twenty-five yet. I get it. So, Ghislaine <laughs> Maxwell is receiving extra special treatment while in prison. Uh, as a jet-setting socialite, Jocelyn Maxwell was used to receiving special treatment as she rubbed elbows with the elite celebrities around the world. And as an inmate, Jocelyn Maxwell is still receiving special treatment while on suicide watch in the Metropolitan Detention Center in downtown Brooklyn, New York. Like That's like the best place to get whacked with, too. I'm surprised she hasn't killed herself yet. You know, is there like a death pool on that? Is there like an under and over? You know, that's no, what I, want to know. I, I think there's a date. There's a date though. Pretty sure. I don't know. We don't have our occult uh, expert to let us know. So, uh, a report by Radio Free Asia cited unnamed sources inside North Korea saying a man who smuggled and sold the dystopian drama had a. Uh, been sentenced to death by a firing squad and a high schooler who brought a USB drive containing the show was sentenced to life in prison. Another six high schoolers who watched the show said uh, they were going to be sentenced five years of hard labor. Now, RFA reported that their supervisors were also said to be punished with teachers and school administrators fired, possibly to be banished to work in remote mines. Now, a law enforcement source in North Korea's North Hamyong province told RFA's Korean service that this is all started last week when uh, one of his best friends in class uh, told several students that became interested and shared the flash drive with them. The students were caught by the government censors after a tip-off. It's the first time the North Korean government has punished minors under a law that penalizes distribution, watching and keeping media of capitalist countries like South Korea and the United States. So the government's taking this incident very seriously saying that the student's education was being neglected. And the source outside the outlet, uh, the student got off the hook because he had rich parents who could pay a $3,000 bribe. And so it's it's kind of amazing that 
despite you know trying to ban a, a movie or TV series like Squid Game and it's playing out in North Korea as we speak. Surprised. I would have thought that uh, watching that show was punishment enough. Uh, I've, I've gotten up to episode four. I'm surprised my parents got into it. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, man. Like, South Korean culture is enough reason to just be like, yeah, you know what? Don't go there. <laughs> just don't. <laughs> so, it just reminds uh, me of a, like, a post-apocalyptic, well, not even post-apocalyptic, just like, the cyberpunk to your future where it's like, ah, oh, yes, live in the pod. You'll love it. It's great. It's almost well, like the to... dystopia where you're eating noodles in the rain. Well, yeah, yeah you don't, you don't like BTS. <laughs> Come on. No. You don't I like was... cute Asian boys. I, no, I, I like, uh... I like Irish car bombs. <laughs> well, yeah, I can get behind Come that. <laughs> so I've got some celebrity news. So Seth Rogen, so then he's claiming that L.A. is not a shithole and it's your fault if you left your personal belongings in your car if it gets yeah. broken into. And it's just part and parcel living in a big city. He claims that his car has been broken into 15 times. And one time they left a really cool knife in his car. They should have they left a really cool windmill of friendship in his car. And after what is going on recently, I think more people will be encouraged to break into his car and leave special prizes for him. So Seth Rogen and Sarah Silverman star in a stop-motion animated feature where he plays Santa and she plays an elf that wants to be the next Santa because the next Santa shouldn't be white or male. It's bad enough that there was a commercial of a man kissing Santa Claus, but now they have to subvert the holiday even more with the anti-white message. But fear not, the comment section has restored faith in humanity. And I got a couple of quotes from the from the uh, comment section. So one of them is, The elf is immunized against all dangers. One may call him a toy maker, a laborer, a carpenter. But it all runs off him like a s- snow off a ski jacket. But call him a snowman and be astonished how he recoils, how injured he is, how suddenly he shrinks back. I've been found out. <laughs> and for no reason at all, all the people voted Santa into power, where he worked to dispel the elves, sabotaging his gingerbread house. The elves, who had all previously been kicked out of 109 other gingerbread houses, through no fault of their own, of course, purely random factors. The elf cries out in pain as he strikes you. And a lot of people are saying Santa Incorporated sounds like an anagram for satanic. And with an update, uh, when I put this down, they removed the dislike counter once they reached 45,000 dislikes. And then once they reached about thirty-five to 60,000 dislikes, they removed the comment section. But if you're smart, you can do the math and look at the 60,000 views and see that there's only 300 likes. And there's a special add-on you can get for Google Chrome that will add the dislike button back so you can see the real numbers. Wow. Huh. That was easy. Yeah. Let's go, Brandon. So uh, an ex-girlfriend of a man who was shot by Kyle Rittenhouse had to say that if like, he ever needs to talk to someone, she would be down for it. And I think now is the time to come together and heal. <laughs> yeah, boy. And getting was seen handing Rittenhouse a small note as the defendant was leaving the courtroom upon question, she confirmed it did contain her number. And all I have to say is it's not an uncommon practice for conquering people to take war brides 
of the defeated, and I actually got a photo of it that I'm sharing Thanks, right now on the energy. screen. And you know, this is kind of like the Hyperborean epic that Robert E. Howard would write about, and uh, I do recommend reading his novels. It's pretty based. <laughs> Very Conan built. <laughs> He's also a real good friend to H.P. Lovecraft, along with being a fellow Texas native. So while Acacia Christmas Parade was attacked with five dead and 48 injured by Darrell Brooks, the MSN is covering for the attacker by playing it all on the SUV and not the driver. The attacker used a truck of peace and drove it in a zigzag pattern to maximize casualties. He can be seen in a rap video with the red vehicle in use. Uh, he called himself a terrorist on social media and was quoted saying that this is the start of a revolution because his attack was a response to the Rittenhouse verdict. Now, leftists were on social media responding to the attack with comments such as he was driving in self-defense. He felt threatened by the Christmas protesters and responded accordingly, having his life in danger. Each time his photo is shown, the news has a skin tone... Uh, to appear lighter and lighter with each showing. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's just ridiculous. So, so hopefully he'll be really, really dark once he's crispy in the chair. So a web, so a webcam model redefined the term crotch shot when she accidentally discharged a firearm into her vagina during a sex stunt gone awry. According to a police report, the woman has subscribers on Chatterbait where people pay to see or make sexual videos. All I can think of is, so me and my friend used to point guns at our balls and, like, loaded firearms as, like, a, as like a, as like a joke at a gig on Facebook. And then I think we ended up taking down our Facebook page or something because I think some kid did end, up, did end up shooting himself in the nuts. Um, but, yeah, like, like, that's a thing. Well, this just goes to show you shouldn't gun and come. So there's a new COVID. (laughs) So there's a new COVID variant out called the Omicron, and just in time for midterm elections, the boomers can't help themselves by seeing Omicron's an anagram for moronic. And now we can uh, expect more rounds of lockdowns and mail-in voter fraud, and maybe they'll just lift the vaccine mandates as the new variant might be vaccine resistant. But I doubt it. Let's go. The first one hearing is. Uh, but it seems like everybody who seems to get this uh, variant, well, they all seem to be vaccinated. It doesn't seem to be affecting the non-vaccinated. And uh, as far as that goes, I heard the symptoms are incredibly mild, so I don't think this is like the, the decimation people were seeking. You know, so they could, you know, spread the fear and all that panic shit. So, moving on to our topic that while we're here today, um, we've got Doppler here to tell us about D.B. Cooper and why should we care about the 50th anniversary. So, I mean, I've, his computer I've, just I've shut seen... for a second, so one second on that. So, so like, uh, it's been featured on the History Channel, you know, along with uh, the Adventures of Excuse Oak me. Island kind of thing. Or I think it was the Mystery. And then even Kid Rock sang a song that, you know, he mentioned about him. So that's why I titled it The Money He Took. Now, I think there was even like a graphic novel or a comic book that even featured his exploits, but I couldn't find the imagery to go with it. I'm here temporarily. (laughs) Damn, that was... Well, I'm not using my headset, I'm using this. 
Anyway. Uh, there is a graphic novel entitled Dan Cooper, something or other. But that was before this incident. And there might be some fan-made shit afterwards, but. Was this guy like a spook gone wrong? Like, was this guy ex-CIA or FBI? No one, no one knows. That's the thing. Um, I tend to, I tend to believe something along those lines. Uh, there's literally thousands of suspects that have come forward, either claiming to be or having deathbed confessions that oh. My uncle said he was. He was on his deathbed and said he was. A, he, that was him. He was D.B. Cooper. And the no one's ever actually been proven to be. Yeah, the the only thing I know about D.B. Cooper is just the main story, or from what I've seen in documentaries. But um, yeah, it seems like he probably died. <laughs> as he uh, was, you know, finally uh, jumping out of the plane. So, did you get? Did you guys go over the main story at all? Yet, I was gone for a few minutes there. So, no, no, we we haven't talked the whole gist of it. I mean, this guy. Uh, so, what did he do? He just robbed a bank. He hijacked a plane and then parachuted after diverting it. And then they sent so... a party after him, but couldn't find the dude. Yeah, on Thanksgiving Eve, uh, November 24th, 1971, 50 years ago this year, uh, a man walked into Portland International Airport, booked a flight, got a flight on uh, a one-way flight to Seattle, Washington, on a Boeing 727. Gave his name, said his name was Dan Cooper. Gets on the flight. Flight takes off. He's sitting in the very back row. Uh, stewardess comes up and down the aisle, getting everyone drinks and all that stuff. Gets to him. Hands her a note. She goes, oh, great. Another middle-aged guy handed me a note hitting on me. Puts it in her pocket. This guy goes, no, 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 miss. You might want to read that. I have a bomb. She gets out. She reads it. Oh, I have a bomb. I want $200,000 in American currency or in, you know, $200,000 in small bills and four parachutes. For whatever reason, she goes, can I see it? And he opens up the briefcase and shows her to her untrained eyes, what looks to be a bomb is several sticks of dynamite, presumably a large battery and multiple wires. You go, oh, this is some fucking serious shit. She calls, calls up to the cabin, relays info to the flight crew. Flight crew relays that on to Seattle International Airport. Then they get in touch with the FBI, and all the all these balls start rolling. Of, of, at the time the FBI would ask whoever the the ransom person was, in this case Northwest Airlines, 
hey, do you want to pay this ransom? I said, yeah, we'll pay it. Get the money. <clears throat> okay, so they collect the money. They record all the serial numbers. Um, they go out. They go to a local parachute club, get four parachutes, two back, two front. And they collect it all. This is only about a half an hour flight. So by the time that Seattle International receives word that this hijacking is taking place, they're pretty much fucking there. So they have this flight flying overhead, waiting while all this stuff is collected. And according to the flight attendants, this is a very... Um, I don't, I'm not sure what the best word for it is. Like, he's not, this guy who's demanding this ransom isn't like an asshole to him. He's, he's kind of, kind of nice, you know. He's, Were they saying he was being charming, like a sociopath? He's charming, he's polite, well-spoken, relatively calm. He ordered a bourbon and soda and, it's like, tried to tip him. Oh, you know, that's tried nice. to pay off his bill. He's, he's trying to tip him like it's a bourbon and soda. It's like a dollar drink or whatever. Gave him a twenty. So he's uh, counting this... out his change back. Soda as in soda water, not like a soda pop. It's yeah, just uh, like bourbon and water, pretty much. He tries to give him twenty dollars on a dollar bill, and he goes, "Keep the change." The stewardess goes, "No, I can't. Can't accept gratuity," and has to give him the change back. Very polite. From uh, what I've read about their interactions, uh, I think they spent something like three hours up in the sky over Seattle. A uh, couple things that, a couple other things come up as he looks out the window and goes, "Oh, that's uh, can't remember the name of the Air Force Base, McCord Air Force Base. There's an Air Force Base. That one's there. near Tacoma. Yeah, so... and that's right across the river from Seattle. He points that out, like, oh, that's what that is. So he's probably pretty familiar with the area um but yeah so if bi and the airlines get all this stuff together say okay we've got all this stuff together he goes all right flight crew go ahead and land i want you to park far away in a well-lit area and i want all of the windows the shades pulled down on them when we land oh that's pretty smart uh, do, you, do you have the adjusted inflation value of that the money he took to uh, convert it to like today's one point four million dollars roundabout? Oh, that's off the top of my head, so it might be off just a little bit, but it's you know about a million and a half dollars. Um, they land, they park, windows are down, and they bring the money up, and they bring the stewardess goes out, gets the money in a knapsack. It's about twenty dollar or twenty two pounds worth of twenty dollar bills, totaling two hundred thousand dollars. They're bundled in thousand dollar bundles, hundred bills per bundle. Um, I think I might be off a little bit, something like that. Gets that, brings it on board, brings four parachutes on board. Why did he ask for four parachutes? Well, if he only asked for one parachute, they could have sabotaged it. 
and he would just jump to his death. So he was thinking ahead, I think, on this. Once all that stuff gets on board, he goes, okay, everyone else, all the passengers can go. Flight crew stays. One stewardess stays. So he lets everyone off. All the other passengers get off the plane, start heading towards the terminal where they're greeted by the FBI, and they are informed then that the plane that they were just on had been hijacked and held for ransom. Up until this point, they didn't know about it at all. So they just thought this was standard procedure. They just thought there was something wrong. They had to stay up in the sky for a couple, like two, two or three extra hours. So, no one of the passengers got a great look at the guy. They refuel the plane, and they're discussing where they're going. Cooper says, I want to go to Mexico City. And this is part that I'm not 100% sure on right here, because I haven't looked up the investigation documents on it. They go, he goes, I want to go to Mexico City. You're going to fly at 10,000 feet. Your flaps are going to be at 15 degrees. You're going to fly with landing gear down and the aft staircase down. Now, this was a Boeing 727. It had a staircase underneath the tail of the plane that you could fly, land, take off with it in its down position. It was one of the only passenger jets at the time that had this aft staircase. It was, I think, I think it was the first passenger jet with this aft staircase. But pilots, to their knowledge, they could not fly with it down. They couldn't take off with it down. They couldn't land with it down. They said, "We can't do that." He goes, "Yes, you can't." I go, "Let me ask. Let me ask the tower." Well, turns out that uh, Howard didn't know, but they called Boeing. Boeing said, oh, yeah, you you can do that with that plane. You can take off with that staircase down. You can fly with it down. You can land with it down. We've done it up several times in Laos, in Cambodia, for the, so it, it, for the oh, spooks. It, it seems like he knows something about aviation. Uh, uh, yes, <laughs> definitely. Yes, because it was like, it sounds very similar to a C-12 Skytrain I've flown in with the Navy. And I remember yeah. I had that staircase in the back, so it's probably the same model. It's similar. It's a, it's a Boeing 727-100, which is the first model. Subsequent models have this little uh, flap uh, on board because of this incident and several following incidents that happened. That when you take off, it flap turns and it blocks the uh, staircase from coming down mid-flight. But uh, this was all the airline, the terminal. The pilots had no idea about any of this. They go, well, we can't take off with it down. He goes, fine. Just leave the cabin, depressurize. We'll fucking put it down when we're up in flight. And the pilots go back. It's like, well, we don't have enough fuel to make it to Mexico City. With all these requirements you're putting on us. And this is the part I'm not sure about. There are a couple different places thrown at as uh, possible suggestions of where to go. I think 
uh, San Diego is one of them. I think Phoenix might have been one of them. I, and I don't know who suggested it and who determined which one it was, right? They ended up going to Reno, decided on Reno, I believe. I might have that slightly backwards, but along those lines. It's, and the, the hijacker at this point is starting to get. I don't think uh, anxious is the right term for it, but he's like, "Come on, let's let's get the show on the road. Let's get going." He's ready in go mode, like yeah, kind of like psyched up for his mission. Yeah, so they take off, get up to cruising altitude, altitude ten thousand feet, flaps are at fifteen degrees down, landing gear down, cabins depressurized. Once they're up there. He uh, he's talking to the stewardess that's back there with him. He's like, "All right, uh, I don't need you back here anymore." Uh, some accounts say that she showed him how to work the uh, the aft stairs, how to lower it. Others don't say that. I think he probably she, knew how to work it. She she starts walking forward, and he's as she's about to cross from the. I guess would be the coach cabin where this is into like the first class cabin. There's a little, little curtain you can draw, right? Yeah. She's about to get past there and close the curtain. She looks back. He's putting on the parachute and she notice he says pretty much that looks like he's put on a parachute many, many times before. It looks like she's, he's intimately familiar with how to put one of these on. And continues up, goes up into the flight crew into the into the cockpit. They continue on. It's about two and a half or three hour flight to make it to Reno. They get to Reno, they land, and the feds rush the plane, and there's no one there. Did the staircase uh, closed on its own, or it was like open. No, it st- it stayed down. Uh, okay. There's slight damage on landing, but not huge amount. Um, that's the the big picture of what happened. Uh, they determined through testing a few weeks later, using the same plane with the same conditions, uh, flying out over water and dropping about a 200-pound sled off the back. They recreated where they think he would have dropped at. Um, that would have been about 8, 10 p.m., or about a, roughly a half hour after they left Seattle. Yeah, and from, from, what, I, from what I've seen um, or read, uh, they were finding uh, random uh, bills, like you know, $20 bills all over the place where they were searching. I didn't read anything about that. That's what I I might have seen that in a documentary, so it might not be true. I, I I'm just trying to remember. Um, if you skip ahead about nine years from this event to uh, sometime in 1980, there's a young man who's camping with his family in kind of the Portland area. He goes to this uh, beach along Columbia River, starts setting up for to have a, uh, a campfire there. And he finds three packs of bills. You know, that's probably what I saw. All together. Uh, and 
they are degraded to a certain extent and and to call them packs anymore is kind of a generous statement it's an it's an amalgamation just kind of fused together you know how you get paper wet and it just ends up sticking to itself it's a big clump of bills all told they found I don't know how many bills it was. It ended up being just shy of six thousand dollars worth. And that's was the money only... salvageable, like, or was it just too far degraded? To uh, spend? some of it, kind of, like, yeah, it it was enough so that they could look at the serial numbers and go, "Oh, these were the bills that were on that hijacked flight," because they had recorded every single bill number and distributed those lists. So that if he spent that money, people would find it. And there's... What's that? So I was about to say, so if it was recorded, did he not spend the money? That's a great question. I don't think anyone can answer that definitively. Right? This is 1971 we're talking about. They didn't scan your bills. You'd have to go through and manually, by your own eyes, look at every single serial number on every single $20 bill if you wanted to find it. And this is just an educated guess on my part, but I think most banks were looking out for large deposits of $10,000 worth of $20 bills. That might raise a few red flags. Like, maybe I want to check the serial number on a couple of these. How do you think he went to a casino to change out the money? Some people have suggested that too, and I don't. I I think that if you're spending large amounts of twenty dollar bills all at one time, it's going to raise some red flags at least in the first three years after that happening. Uh, personal beliefs, I think. Well. We'll back up a little bit. There's a lot of speculation. The FBI has investigated literally thousands of people to see if they might have done this. They investigated every single member of the Sport Parachute, United States Sport Parachute Association, or whatever it was called at the time. They, They went around to every military base and asked everyone who knew paratroopers, is there anyone you know that could have done something like this, supposedly? 1976, five years after hijacking, they had a conference in San Diego, or San Francisco, I forget, one of the two, effectively going, well, has anyone got any ideas we haven't checked out before? And they kept this investigation open until 2016 when they said, we've got no more leads, we've got no new information, we have no fucking clue who this was. And officially close their investigation until new evidence opens up. Do you uh, think he might have fled the country, or did they look into that at all? I think that's possible. Um, thinking the thing you get when you start looking into Cooper, every single person that gets into this ends up having their own pet suspect. I think it's this guy, and they'll find stuff that you know points towards who they think it is and they'll tend to ignore stuff that points away from them. Um I I try really hard 
Like I have a guy that I like for it, right? But I try really hard to separate the the facts of the case and what are like good assumptions you would have to make. Right. Uh, I try to separate that from who I think the good suspect is. At least initially I did. <laughs> and I think when you're doing something like this, it's, it's, you know, I've heard there's a couple podcasts, one podcast that exclusively does this content. They do a great job. He made an analogy the, a couple weeks, a couple months ago that I thought was really good. It's if you plan on committing a crime and using a sport bike as your mode of escape, well, uh, you know, let, let me ask you this. If you've never ridden a motorcycle before, are you going to use that as your main way to escape from a crime? Yeah, probably not. Exactly. Um. So, yeah, that's you know the nutshell of it. The that has me thinking about combat controllers and how they parachute with dirt bikes. Oh yeah. Uh, except it's, I, I'm pretty sure they know that he didn't have a dirt bike. Huh. Uh, a lot of people like to make a big deal of well, he was just wearing a business suit, and this is November. Uh, end of November in Oregon and in Washington, it's cold and and rainy and this and that. It's I mean it's true, but you know he was only exposed to the elements for from from leaving the plane to landing. That's that's less than five minutes. And couldn't he have possibly had something underneath his suit, like some kind of thermal gear? Or... Oh yeah, I mean if. Well, I like looking at it like, okay, I know the facts of the case. And if I were to plan something to fit the facts of the case, it's like, well, I'd wear long underwear. Yeah. You know, you're not, the average person is not going to notice if you're wearing that. Um, yeah, there's, there's all sorts of wild, wild speculation about who it could have been. For a long time there, the FBI said, this guy was an amateur parachutist. He didn't know what the fuck he was doing. And so on and so forth. And the thing about that is there were like 10 or 11 copycats that in the in the fall, next, I don't know, 5 to 10 years that did similar things to a much less sophisticated degree agree and a few of them were completely inexperienced with parachutes every single one of them made it to the ground alive and relatively uninjured so to assume that this guy jumped out of the plane and just you know cannonballed into a, a fir tree and died is i think is kind of foolish on their part Unless they were purposely diverting uh, resources, you know, don't don't look in this area. I want you guys looking in this area. Um, yeah, a lot of interesting things with this. 
Do you think he had like a safe house, kind of like a cabin nearby the area he parachuted in, and then changed out his clothes, had like a gear kit, you know, whatever to aid his escape? Well, and that gets into the planning of this, right? This happened. This event happened the day before Thanksgiving, and I think that's a big thing that people look over because a lot of your your the best guys in the departments that are investigating this, they're already off. They're already going, you know, hours down the road to go visit family. They're hard to recall. So the guys that are left in the area, you know, that's going to be like your B team, your C team. They did it at night. They didn't mount. They couldn't search for them until daylight on Thanksgiving Day. You know, there's a, I think he planned this spectacularly. And I think if, if, uh, I'm sure they probably looked at this, but if you wanted to figure out who it was, you got to look at the flights for the few months prior to, because you look at the timing of things. I think he timed how long it takes to fly from Portland to Seattle and Seattle back to Portland. With that timing, you go, okay, I can get really close to Portland. As long as I know when I get up in the air, I got to wait 25 minutes and then I can jump and I'll be within 15 miles of Portland. I think, uh, so the four parachutes, there are two back parachutes, two front parachutes. Uh, one of the front parachutes ended up being a training use one where it's like, you're not supposed to jump with these because it's sewn shut. And that's apparently was just a complete fucking accident on the FBI part. So they didn't mean to give that to him to try to. They it wasn't intentional from what I've read at all. But of the back parachutes, there was a new steerable civilian model, and a older round canopy, uh, unsteerable in quotation marks, uh, military model. I say in quotation marks because you can steer those a little bit, but it's not as precise. Uh, He took the military one. And I think that speaks, again, to his experience. He's he's done this a lot before. Yeah, and then uh, if he was possibly, you know, former military, probably has some kind of land nav experience. Definitely. And even then, you know, that area of the country, you don't need a lot. You know, yeah. And in that briefcase, a compass would have been very easy to hide. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, uh, you know, and the, they haven't even been able to rule out the fact that he might have had help on the ground. Also, he could have had a driver waiting for him. Yeah. And at that point, what do you need between, to, to figure out for both of you? You need a radio. Well, who makes portable radios? Uh, and this is one of the things I, I I learned about, and I'm not sure it's the case, but uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me is if you had a fake bomb, and inside that fake bomb there was a uh, handheld army walkie-talkie. Just so happened to have a, a range of uh, like ten thousand feet, for instance. Which there is one of those. I forget what it's called, but 
you know, he could have communicated with the ground guy, got picked up, gave him his cut, whatever. Uh, there's a lot of different ways to take it. And uh, personally, my favorite suspect, you can find the name out, uh, guy by the name of Ted Braden. So let's talk about him a little bit. He was one of the best in the army. He was uh he was part of the uh oh what a gold golden arrows, I think it was, the precursor to the Golden Knights. He was in Germany during the early, early sixties and he was a master parachutist. Uh when in a time when there weren't this is a time when having over a hundred jumps was impressive. He had four, five, six hundred jumps under his belt. So always take a risk. He goes on. Uh, from there, he gets involved in Vietnam, part of Mac Sog V. A bunch of guys that were part of, or Mac V Sog, I'm sorry, which are, you know, the Delta Force of the time. They were in the shit all the fucking time. A lot of those guys say if, if Cooper was anyone, it was Braid. Braden yeah, was and Cooper. The, yeah, and the drawings do look, look a lot like him, from what I'm looking at. Yeah, I can. Uh, where's a good place to put those up? I'll... You can drop those in the show prep. Okay. I got a few of them. Um, sorry, I kind of messed up my train of thought. And Braden is a very interesting character. <laughs> Uh, no, that's my own fault. I, shiny objects, I get off topic very easily. Um, he's an interesting character because he did a couple tours in Nam, probably 1965, 1966 or so. And then, one day, he he quits. Not really quits, he deserts. He picks up a fake name finds a way over to Congolese Africa and tries to get hired on as a mercenary by someone. And I don't I don't know a bunch of details about this. Um so yeah, he gets picked up by the the spooks over there, by the CIA over there, brought back to the United States, got thrown into uh I think maybe Fort Polk detention facility. And some of the guards there, like, this guy is getting treated, this, you know, sergeant, maybe. I, I'm not, I don't remember the rank. Forgive me. He's getting treated better than they've had, you know, officers in the clink for. And he ends up supposed to be court-martialed. And they find out, someone, someone along the way says, you don't have enough MPs for us to court-martial this guy. Which is kind of a weird statement because there's a lot of fucking MPs on this base. Um, And I think that was more a statement too. He's kind of untouchable. He gets discharged out with the general discharge uh, in 68, I want to say. And not a whole lot is known afterwards. What is known he uh he 
has an interview with a editor from this uh, kind of left-leaning anti-war magazine called Ramparts. And he's uh, a particular way of talking. And uh, the, the editor, the guy he talked to, is called Donald Duncan. And Braden was always called Dunk. Kind of weird. And pretty much said, hey, uh, if anyone wants to hire a mercenary, uh, you can come ask me. The spooks don't want to let me out of the country, but I'll work for you. It, it was a very strange article. And if I can find it again, I'll, I'll send a link, but it might be a little difficult to. Um, and then, he, then he just kind of fades off, you know. There's rumors that in the early 70s, he was a truck driver. But there's other guys that say, no, I, I met him in Vietnam in 73. Stuff like that. It's just, he ended up, uh, that's about all I know about him. He died probably 2006, I want to say. He's been dead a few years now. But he was a paratrooper without without a rival, effectively. Um, that's kind of one of the reasons I like him as a suspect. And he, he's not... He's He only pops up as the, the, the main suspect for a few people researching. I don't understand why. Uh, a lot of the other people are just... They just don't match the descriptions. Uh, the FBI description was mid-40s. Uh, uh, five ten to six foot, about one hundred and seventy five pounds. Brown hair. Uh, very. They said a uh, swarthy or a brown, or olive complected, which I mean, if a guy's been in the shit in Vietnam and Africa he's gonna have a tan. Years, he's gonna have a tan. Um. But yeah, that's who I like. Uh, a lot of people, some of the, the people that get thrown up, Robert Rackstraw is one of them. And I don't, the, the people I don't consider uh, as being like the real guys behind it, I kind of like look in enough to go, okay, I don't think it was you because you're 15 years younger at the time. You know, stuff like that, or or this or that. There's a bunch of a bunch of uh, things that would like preclude someone from being considered him. And I'll, I'm putting up a, a couple pictures into the hopefully show prep. Where am I putting these? Yeah, I put them in show prep of both the composite drawing of DB. And uh, this Ted Braden fellow. One of the interesting things that that uh, got brought up, the stewardess that was flying with them is like, why, why, why did you pick our flight? Why did you pick our our airliner? And he goes, look, I, you know, I don't, I don't have a particular grudge against your airliner, but I do have a grudge. Which I think that's an interesting statement to make, and. Uh, 
you know, I think if if someone were to find out who had a grudge and what that grudge was, it might make a little bit more sense as to who actually perpetrated this. Um, but yeah, I think it, it shows a very, very large degree of planning. This whole event, I think it's likely that, uh, the, the two months to three months beforehand, this fellow probably took that flight once, one to five times, just to get an idea of how long it takes to get back over Portland area. I think he intended to jump out where he jumped out at. Um, I think he intended to do it on the day he did it because he knew that they wouldn't have their best people available to search for him the immediately, the immediate day after. He already had a two-hour head start because they assumed he said he wanted to go to Mexico City. Well, we'll jump him when he gets to port or when they get to land in Reno before they refuel, and we'll just take him down there. So they didn't have anyone out looking for him. They thought he was going to show up. I think that caught them off guard. It's kind of like that scene in Die Hard, that first Die Hard, where the FBI cuts power to the building right when Hans needed them to. It's like, oh, they're operating out of a playbook. They just did their next move, which I already expected. I think this is familiar with the standard operating procedures. Yeah. I think he's, uh, at least, if not familiar, he probably had a good idea. Right? And I think he hedged his bets. So, question after that becomes well, where's the money? And that's an interesting question. I've kind of thought about that a little bit. And I think that if you spent over. You spent over five five thousand dollars in twenty dollar bills. Someone's gonna say, "I should probably check a couple of these bills against that list that that got mailed to us six weeks ago, just in case." You know, um, ass kind of thing. Yeah. So, how do you spend that money? Because I think he spent it as quick as he could. Or, or how do you get rid of that money and profit off of it? Right. How do you launder that money, in other words? Well, you have to have a legitimate business or you got to take it outside of the country. Um, and I think with Braden, there's evidence that he was a truck driver. And if he was an independent truck driver, that that money becomes your operating expenses for however long it takes you to spend $200,000 through your gas tank. And what does that mean? That means you're dropping three or four $20 bills at a gas station every day until you run out of them. Now, that's $100, five, five $20 bills, 100 bucks right there. You think a highway gas station is going to check to make sure those aren't on that list? I don't think they are. And I think that's how he would have gotten rid of that money. 
the the next thing that always comes up is well why the i'll say six grand on the beach near portland and i think that was a backup plan because six grand back in 1971 would have been about about half of that would have got you a brand new vehicle enough to get on the road get down the road get some distance in between you and the cops and they wouldn't have checked those bills until you were gone. So I think that was a fallback plan. You know, yet his he had his primary method of escape, probably had a secondary, and the, that six grand was the third way he would have got, gotten away with it. But, like I said, there's literally thousands of people have been suggest, suggested, a lot of deathbed confessions. Uh, I think this is the type of person that doesn't confess to it. He might give a hint or two to one of his buddies that know the same type of shit that he knew from Vietnam. You know, this is this Braden fellow is just interesting because of the people he would have known at the time. You know, he would have he would have been, if not friends, he would have been very familiar with guys like Larry Thorne. The, the father of special forces, the the soldier of three armies. You know, uh, some of these guys go on to become uh, effectively founding members of the CIA. Almost, he was he was well connected, and that would be another reason maybe they didn't look into him as much as they should have, because that's a lot of a lot of egg in the face. Uh, I mean, what kind of questions you guys got about this? Uh, I mean, I, I've asked most, most, I mean, I, for, when I looked at it at first, I thought he was probably dead. Um, but you know, you're bringing up, turn up right? huh? Uh, yeah, I, I would have, you know, you're bringing up some good points. Yeah. Um, and the, uh, the staircase part is interesting. Because I, I chased down that angle, and so the Air Force never had any Boeing 727s, right? But Air America, or better known as the CIA's private uh, travel agency in Southeast Asia, they did have Boeing 727s. And they did test covertly dropping troops and supplies behind enemy lines with them. There's a problem, though. Braden, if if it was Braden, Braden had no way of being... From what I can tell so far, through you know, open source links and shit, right? I don't think they, they didn't test that functionality until like 1968, 1969. And at that time, Braden had deserted the army, gone over to Africa, tried to get on with mercenary there, or it was while he was locked up uh, stateside in a military prison. So I don't, I don't, I don't get how he would have known that info. And that's like the biggest hang up for me is I can't, I can't make that hole. I can't fill that hole. Unless he had help that would fill it. 
unless there were other places where like the Congo where the CIA might have helped out. I haven't found anything about this yet. You know, if they did that there, he could have been exposed to it. I I don't know how DB knew about that feature. Boeing, certain people at Boeing knew about it. The CIA knew about it. That was it. Yeah, and like I I I I I dabbled in this for a little bit, but I I didn't go as deep as you did. But um, yeah, I I just I wouldn't know even know where to begin with that one. Yeah, I I can't figure it out. You know, and just two nights ago is when I got the idea. Well, maybe they did this in in Africa, something similar. And I can't find anything to confirm. I can't find anything that denies either, though. So. I don't know. It's weird. It's very weird. There's a lot of like I've got a lot of loose ends from my own research that I'm like I don't I don't know where this goes. This is info. It might be pertinent. It might be static. It, it might be important. Might not. I don't know where it goes. But I'm gonna keep pulling at different threads when I feel like it, just to try to piece stuff together. And I'm not convinced it was Brayton. I think he's the best choice so far. But I'm completely open to other possibilities. Yeah, and when you, when you talk about the um the court martial thing, that that <laughs> that's that's pretty fucking weird, man. Oh yeah, that's I thought like... I thought that was weird too. So I looked it up. Yeah, uh, and they've got statistics on it. Thankfully, if I can find it, I should be able to find it. Yeah, that Are doesn't we, make no. We had no a question MP. from chat. Someone asking, "How did he have a fucking spine lift? All those jumps he's done." Do what now? Someone in chat asked, like, how does he have a spine left after, you know, doing a bunch of jumps? <laughs> Good question. Yeah, a lot of those guys do have really bad knees and bad backs after all that. I know I know. pilots get shorter when they eject more than three times, and that pretty much ends their career. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Homeboy will be back in a second. He just got stuff we need to take care of real quick. Uh, I see Brandy joined us. She muted herself. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if she didn't want to interrupt or what. Well, it's better than dead air if she wants to, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was, was kind of wanting to see if she wanted to talk about that whole esoteric uh, Egyptian thing going yeah, on. Yeah, like, Homeboy will be back, but we got a gap to fill, well, and I got to mute myself, so. <laughs> uh, God damn it. Yeah, so, stuff, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know about the truck driver angle. That's kind of weird. Cause like, why would you steal that much money just to drive a truck across the country and just yeah, spend the money uh, on gas? It's yeah. And I'm kind weird. of an, I'm, I'm kind of an idiot. So, uh, like the, yeah. And that's, I don't know for sure that he was, There's, like I said, there was reports that a couple guys say, oh yeah, he was back in Vietnam in 73. And that same year, like a, sure a couple other people like, Oh, I saw him driving a truck in Kentucky. Like, there's so, something there, and I just, I don't know. It's something, though. Maybe he used the money to fund an MWR, 
like Christmas, like for his <laughs> unit. You know, that's what, that's what I'm wondering. You know, they're not going to check that. Uh, you mentioned the the oh, what was it? Desertion, right? Right. So I looked it up a couple weeks ago. Three hundred twenty-five thousand left their units for more than thirty consecutive days during the military, during the Vietnam War. Over ten thousand never returned. Of those who did, about one third faced court martial. Many of those, fifty-five thousand, avoided trial by accepting a for the good of the service discharge, while another sixty-eight thousand did stand trial with all but 500 found guilty. The majority of those found guilty were punished and returned to their units. Others were adjudicated bad conduct or dishonorable discharge. And the remaining 63,000 had established a pattern of misconduct prompted an administrative discharge. 43,000 of those were given general discharges for unsuitability. He was given a general discharge from what I can find. I haven't I haven't tracked down his. Uh, I, I I haven't tried to get his service record, and it's very limited. What they'll tell non-family members about right. the person's service. So it's not unheard of that he got out of it. It just it fucking sounds weird, especially nowadays, to any any veterans. Do you think he went to Canada? Because like, didn't a bunch of deserters go out to Canada like around that time? I don't know enough about. People who deserted during Vietnam. I maybe, sure. You know, and and me getting really deep into Cooper, I kind of started off with this got to be a spook. This got to be CIA. It's got CIA written all over it. And that was kind of my initial assumption that it was some sort of CIA thing to get some dirty money to fund one of their operations Black ops. yeah or buy some guns and ship them somewhere else yeah yeah because they've never done that before what what kills me it was so it seemed so goddamn easy <laughs> it's like hey uh here's some sticks and uh it here's was a, uh, they're it just was. road flares and the clock was. <laughs> road yeah. flares and alarm clock it's you know, pulling, like... pulling a pulling a chris farley from tommy boy it's fucking if, awesome like if you want a good laugh look at some of the copycats Guy shows up with a, a an empty pistol and a fake hand grenade, with uh, notes written by his wife. He left the notes in the terminal. Oh. Someone had to like, hey, did one of you guys leave this out there? Oh yeah, that was me. Goes on, hijacks plane, gets the money, jumps out, gets caught the next day. Like every there's like ten copycats. They all jumped out. And they all they all fucking landed just fine so i i think you know people thinking that he died i don't i just i don't know i don't buy it okay like and if yeah, he, not... if, he, if they went well this guy this guy and this guy tried it and they died i go okay well maybe he did die then but yeah and i i don't know enough about it to even you know question it really yeah and and the fact he used the military shoot, and I think a lot of those military shoots are specifically designed that in the worst case of scenario, it'll get you to the ground safely or safe enough. 
Oh, there's two types, right? The Hilo and the Hilo, or Halo, or some shit like that. Where uh, there are now, different, yeah. But back then, oh, was that like a one size fits all back then? Uh I don't know. And there's a lot of discussion even even now about what the actual par- parachute used was. They knew it was a military style one, so it was a round dome top one. Um. But is it is it a pilot's parachute? Is it an airborne parachute? I don't know. And there's so like all the FBI has released all of their files about it. So if anyone wants to, they can read through that. It's a slog, and there's a lot of redactions because quite a well at the time where they digitized all that stuff, a lot of those people were still alive towards the end of their life but still alive so if uh if you see redactions a lot of them are are personal info of and they do that that's standard for them they'll do that if they investigate a crime they come up with a suspect and you know in case it's not a sus and if case that person didn't do it or did or they haven't determined or anything they'll you know they'll redact personal information so that's what a lot of those redactions are in it but there's something like 80,000 documents generated from this case, yeah. possibly more. So I haven't read through much of it. I've read through bits and pieces here and there just to get an idea. I think the biggest pe- mistake people make when doing this is they come into it with certain assumptions. Like, like he died, or like it's got to be this person because, because he said so. Well, there's 500 other people that said it was them, also. You know. Yeah, the the people who admit to it, I just think it's a lot of fame whoring, probably. Well, especially know? especially the deathbed ones. Yeah, because yeah. that sounds yeah. like uh, stuff that happened at the turn of the century, where people were like admitting, "Oh, I was Jesse James," or "I was like Billy the Kid," you know. Yeah, yeah it's or, like but they they yeah. do it for the street cred. Yeah, I was Jack the Ripper, you know, shit like that. Um, yeah, but it, it runs the gamut. There's, there's sus people say, oh, it was this guy. Well, he was, he was a, a train yard master in northeast united states that had never been to portland ever so why would you think it's him you know it doesn't make sense he wouldn't even know the there, lay of the land i mean there's what what he told he told me i'm his wife and he told me on his deathbed it was him and stuff like that it happens hey, uh, all the time hey uh, i'll be right back hold on a second yeah no worries yeah yep. so is that all that's you, why is... i like to say go into this with an open mind don't don't focus too much on one suspect so, oh, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Yeah, I was gonna ask, is that all you got on DB Cooper? Yeah, I mean, there's more. a bunch of like disjointed stuff that are just out there and weird. Like, yeah, there yeah, like use some of the weird stuff. All right, uh, we could start off with uh, he never said that he was DB Cooper. He uh, he got the the ticket from the airline. The airline said, "Hey, I need your name." He goes, um, "I'm Dan Cooper." 
So where does this DB part come, come in? From? So what happened was uh, initially they found out the guy's name. So the plane lands, all the passengers d- depart. They, the FBI gets the names of all the passengers, compares it to the passenger list. He goes, oh, the only one that didn't get off is Dan Cooper. Well, let's pull out our phone book. Hey, there's a Dan Cooper in the area. Let's go talk go to, to his him. house. Go to his house. He was there. There's another guy in the phone book that was listed DB Cooper. Went to his house. He was there. For whatever reason, news media picked up on that DB part, and it's like they made a typo or a slip up or something. It and sounded said, good. That so was like, let's his just name. put a letter here. DB Cooper. And it just kind of stuck ever since. Um, and the interesting name thing about that name, Dan Cooper, is that in Belgium and France, in the early 60s, late 50s, there was a comic book. Uh, and the, the hero of the comic book was a, like a a Canadian air force pilot that had all these, you know, it's, it's a uh, action stories for boys type type material where, Oh, he jumped out of this plane and it blew up or he, you know, this and that and the other. And that it was like and the adventures was, and, of Dan Cooper or something. And he washed up to an Island and he had to fight off a whole bunch of coconut crabs, you know, with the yeah, stuff like know. that. But I think it was the adventures of Dan Cooper. I, I could be wrong on the name. But so the comic the... book existed before the crime. Yes. So you think he took the alias from the comic book? I think it's certainly possible. But you get into it and you go, well, at the time, this comic wasn't available in America. It wasn't really available in Canada. It was uh, initially printed in in. Uh, French or whatever Belgium people speak. I think they speak uh, French and German or Dutch, you know. Yeah, like a mixture, right? I think it was yeah. printed in those languages. So it would have been in Europe, but I don't know if there's much in the way of that being in America or Canada at the time. So that could have ended up in Quebec. I could see that. Happening. Potentially, yeah. <clears throat> They, uh, the stewardess said he didn't have a discernible accent. You know, he, it just plain American fella. So that's you can roll out. You can roll out like the the East Coast. You can roll out the South. So he you can probably... roll out the East Coast, the South, uh, uh, French, Quebec. French Canadians probably roll them out because I think they usually have an accent. Yeah, they have a discernible accent. Um, but so that 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 cartoon is like one of those. This is a weird anomaly, right? So how does it make sense with the case? Well, it makes sense if he was a service member that was stationed over in Europe in the twenty years preceding this I, I don't know exactly when the comic came out right but when the comic came out until right before this happened if he was stationed over there at any point in time could be him um 
Let's see, what else was... A lot of people like to make a big deal about there being, oh, he was definitely had military experience. Well, you know, 40-year-old guys in 1971, I think the majority of them, the vast majority of them had military experience, either in World War II or in Korea or in Vietnam. Yeah, because uh, people got drafted unless yeah. you were, unless you had like some kind of, you know, medical ailment that prevented you. Yeah. Um, there are, I think, six or seven letters that have shown up over the years proclaiming to be written by Dan Cooper. Which is kind of interesting. Um, the first three that showed up were all cut out le uh, letters, cut out and glued to a piece of paper. And the FBI got so far as to identify as well. This, these all came from this magazine. These all came from that magazine. Blah blah blah. So I don't think those are legitimate. I think they're pokes, trying to live it up. Uh, there is one that is worded quite a bit differently. And if you look online, though, there's a there's one that's like. Oh, this guy decoded who D.B. Cooper was because he read it, wrote it in code in letters five and six. Well, letter, one of them goes, I'm D.B. Cooper. I don't have long to live. I got one over on you guys, yada, yada, yada. And the other one is just, word one, it's worded completely different. He starts off with, D.B. Cooper isn't real. He doesn't exist. Um, you can have your cops in the system. Stop fucking looking for me. You know, I just got back from the key, Florida Keys. You know, signed a very rich man. Yeah, which sounds. Or, or really... if it's Boca Bradley, who's Diddy <laughs> Cooper now. <laughs> He's still watching. It's, it sounds really stupid to admit where you just were. Yeah, that, that don't make no sense. Like, like he's unless just you're lying. Yeah, that's or just it. daring them to, you know, get you. You're not going to catch me. Give it your best. Which is interesting. Like you, And we could bring up the physical evidence from the case. So what got left behind on the flight? Because they haven't been able to identify and say this is his fingerprints. Well, he smoked rally filter tip cigarettes. He had eight, eight cigarettes on the flight. Uh, some people like to say, oh, that was because he was nervous. I was like, well, he was on that plane for like six and a half, seven, eight hours. That's not really that much. Especially when you're bored. Yeah, and it's, yeah, it's, not, not, like it's you... not like they had in-flight movies back then, right? Yeah. Yeah, and with the confession stuff, it's not like a serial killer where, you know, a lot of the time serial killers feel, you know, really bad about it. They feel really guilty and they then they admit it or they yeah. try to get caught. But uh, stealing <clears throat> what would have been like a million dollars, I don't know why you would even bother. Yeah. Um, what else got so, left uh, So Booker Bradley writes down, he's like, I love D.B. Cooper. He's one of my father's favorite mysteries. It's a great one, right? It could be everyone and it could be no one. Um, 
Other physical evidence that got left behind. Well, he gave the flight crew a couple notes with his demands. Uh, He got those back before he left. Oh, so they couldn't do the handwriting analysis on that Nope, and they're not even sure that the name on the ticket stub they they're not sure if he signed his name or if the the cashier at the checkout signed his name. Did they even check for IDs back then? No, fuck no, they didn't. Man, imagine <laughs> that kind of world, right? Remember what they took from you? Um. So did he leave his bomb with it? Like nope. uh, his suitcase? Took the briefcase with. Uh, what he left behind was eight. Cigarette butts and his tie, which was a clip on tie. Have they been able to, like, uh, like nowadays search for any kind of DNA evidence off of that shit? Uh, well, the FBI lost the cigarette butts, of course. Oh, okay, okay, now I get it. That's amazing. I don't know when they got lost, but they got lost. And, you know, 1971, cigarette butts, DNA wasn't a thing then. It really wasn't uh, a thing yeah. until, like, like probably, I don't know, 80-something. So I, yeah, okay. I guess. I guess if you lose that, not a big deal at the time. Uh, they did do some sampling on the tie. They couldn't find any usable DNA, I think. But they did find some particles of like pure titanium which was kind of hard to come by um but interesting yeah it's it's one of those where it's like well how much weight do you want to place on that right if you place a lot of weight on that you start looking at boeing boeing engineers uh, anything that dealt with making military weapons at the time, maybe it was some sort of uh, mid-level management there. Yeah, so he'd probably have to work in the engine since those are titanium. Or... Yeah. Or, if you don't place a lot of trust in that, because he took everything else with him and he left this one thing. Maybe he left that for a specific reason. Either to throw you off, or some some sort of symbolic reason. And I had a buddy of mine about three years ago. I was talking to him about this. He says, that's weird. Oh, why is that weird? Well, where I'm from, in the Pacific Northwest, he's from the Canadian side of things. He goes, people usually leave their tie after they retire on their last day. He told me this, and I haven't, I haven't found anything mentioned anywhere else where this is a known tradition. Maybe it is. I don't know about it, but I haven't found anything that says it's not. So maybe he was symbolically saying, "I'm done. Don't even bother trying to catch me. I'm done." So he was like, "I'm done being a spook, and this is my sign off." I mean, thing. maybe. You know, if you want to go that angle with it, I think there's room there. Um, you know, but would you, in your disguise would you incorporate stuff that you you've owned for years, or would you go to a thrift store and pick up a fucking shitty clip-on tie? That's what I would do. Yeah, I'd pick up a shitty clip-on tie. Oh, who's flying on planes now? 
days. People dressed up back then, so to see a guy in a business suit, yeah, that wasn't on a plane. Unusual. It's it's completely normal. He looks normal. Um, yeah, that's the lion's share of stuff I know about the case. The we're cinema. Were you there for the? what i said about the uh the comic book uh i just got in at the very last second when you okay uh there's a comic book by the name of dan cooper or the adventures of dan cooper or something along those lines it's it's a it's made in belgium not distributed in the united states and it was before this event happened and possibly is where he got his inspiration for the name from Oh, oh, it was a comic book before. Yeah. Uh, okay. Oh, that's crazy. Um. Okay, and it's all about like. Uh... Yeah, it's a it's about a French or a, a Canadian Air Force pilot and his exploits and adventures. Huh. That's something. <laughs> maybe, maybe yeah. it's not. I don't know. You know. Like maybe he, maybe he was a pilot, and maybe he was just leaving a little clue, or I don't know. It's, it's weird. Yeah, it's, if he was a pilot, he would have flown. He would have flown his own plane. That's what I'm thinking. You know, it's one of those Rorschach tests where you hold up an ink blot to someone, and go, "What do you see here?" With all this information, what do you see? To me, I, I see either a spook or someone who's spook adjacent. Yeah, it's it's really really odd. I, I was leaning more towards he was working in aerospace or something when he, you know, knew about the Boeing. Boeing a lot, a lot of there's. You're not alone in that. Well, there's plenty of people who think that as well. Yeah, but like I said, I'm kind of a layman, so I don't really. I, yeah. I, I know. I know of this story. I just don't know all about this background shit. I don't. I have no idea. I'll put it that way. Like I said, I got the guy that I like for it, but I'm not. I can be easily convinced that he's not. So. I think we'll wrap up this uh, this portion of the show on D.B. Cooper. I don't think we can go anywhere else with it. Brandy, did you want to tell us anything about the esoteric uh, pyramid stuff going on in Egypt? Um. I, I don't know. Did you? I don't. I missed like a lot of the show. I'm sorry, guys. Something That's came okay. up. Um, cool. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think it's kind of odd. I I feel like a lot of people don't seem to have much interest in it. So it's a little bit disappointing to me that nobody seems as like odd by this as I do. Um, I mean, a couple of people I do know, but. I don't know. I'm just a little bit like taken back by how much it's not being talked about because I feel like it's a huge fucking deal that they resurrected ancient Egypt and opened up this 3,000 year old road that hasn't been in use for however long with a 70 year excavation project. Um, somebody's paying for all this and they're trying to say it's to bring tourism back to Egypt. I don't think that's it at all. Like, I mean, yeah, maybe except for the Egyptian it. Spring, like it was. Uh... They were supposed to be excavating underneath the paw of the Sphinx to, to supposedly get to this chamber that they were saying, oh, this is supposedly the uh, lost uh, 
something of knowledge and they they were thinking is it like that, a something or something like i i have like so many mixed um like from the people i know that know about this sphinx passing i have not yet nailed down what anybody definitively thinks that it is is supposed to be under there um so there was talk that with that they d- discovered it using lidar which is ground penetrating right radar and okay. there were there were speculation that there would have been lost Atlantean texts that were destroyed. Uh, I forgot when the Alexandria uh, library got caught on fire. So they're thinking okay. they might have been duplicate copies of those lost texts in there. And then there was talk about there was an energy source emanating. So they're thinking there was some kind of generator. They don't know what the hell was powering it down there. I think that's what my friend would say, something like that and some kind of key that would open something and i i mean i don't i don't know i'm not ancient egypt has never been like a huge topic of interest to me before um i know a lot of people are very enthralled by the pyramids and stuff like that and although i do think they're you know amazing in their own right and all that kind of stuff and quite confusing as to how they came to be it really hasn't been that big of an interest to me like throughout my entire life um my biggest interest in egyptian shit was pretty much the Bengals song to be honest. <laughs> That's still um, an awesome song. It is. So I love Susanna Haas, but what can you say? Anywho, um, I think that there's some crazy, um, I, I don't know, ancient god worship or something going on. Um, when I take a look at all the pictures, I just get a feeling like, are we welcoming something? Is this a come? resurrection Are we welcoming ritual? something back? Is there a resurrection happening? Is this a resurrection chamber? <laughs> like, what exactly is going on here? I find it quite um, quite interesting. And I'm, like I said, even more kind of taken back by the fact that nobody really seems to be all that amused. And I just think out of, like, all the things that have happened as far as, like, you know, archaeology goes and uncovering ancient civilizations and we have all these documentary shows you know focusing on ancient civilizations and ancient aliens all this kind of shit this massive thing fucking happens and it's pretty much not anywhere on the news it's not being all that much talked about i it's the pictures are so strange and phenomenal to me of what just went on there the other day um, which I don't necessarily understand. I know that Prince Charles took an impromptu trip there a few days before this happened, even though his oh, mother... Oh, that's interesting. Right? So, you know, his mother's ill. She's 90-fuck years old, could croak at any second, probably already has. But he's like, hey, trip to the pyramids, unannounced, just sporadically, apparently. Sure. But no, you know, no explanation for what it's for or anything. And then lo and behold, like within less than a week later, there's this phenomenal fucking ceremony there. And I'm talking like buku fucking money went into this. They have hundreds of people in this parade of sorts walking this almost two mile stretch down this newly excavated road that's been completed and is lined with ram headed statues that are over 3,000 years old, have been buried in the sand for over 2,000 years. They've spent almost a goddamn century digging them up and restoring them. And, hey, we're done. 
<laughs> like check out what we did. I and think no uh, one... Prince Andrew was also recently in the news dispelling myths about the Queen's health. You know, I thought that was kind of funny that popped up today. Well, I think it's weird too that they're saying like, what, she's going under some weird transformation and will reappear in the spring. This bitch is fucking almost a century old herself. Who is expecting her to continue living like without doubt? Like, it definitely come out of a cocoon and be like a in her prime again. Is she gonna? I, is she gonna show our, our her reptilian form? Well, I was joking with a friend of mine that is in the UK when we when you know he brought this to my attention. He's all check this shit out, and I was like, wait, 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 hold up, what's going on here? <laughs> hold on a second. What are they doing in Egypt right now? Oh, and allegedly, reportedly, allegedly. Like a billion people watched this go on. A billion people tuned in and watched this however way they did. And still you see nothing about it on the media. Nothing. Like how come this wasn't televised? A billion people, that's of our entire planet's population. Yeah, you're seeing it on a, like, you have to actually go look for it. But yeah, they're not broadcasting this stuff on TV for some reason. I don't know why the weirdest thing i think it's like a major fucking thing and i mean for all the bullshit that they want to report on which everything seems like it's fluff because they don't have anything worthwhile like how many stories are you going to do on the kardashians you're not going to do one on ancient egypt coming alive in the middle of the desert on fucking thanksgiving night and shooting beams up into the sky that look like they could probably be seen from like a whole entire different galaxy (laughs) like It seems what did like we just throw into the universe because it well, seems like something happened. Well, that doesn't involve race, so you know we're not going to talk about it. <laughs> I mean, I, it might involve the entire human race. How do we know? Yeah, I, I just think it's pretty phenomenal that nobody's like, wait, paying attention. Bit. Blame us a little bit. Yeah, I I do think it's quite odd. They walk this golden box down this two-mile stretch. And, like, again, at night, which I get the night thing, so you can have it all lit up. Um, But they walk something down. think that was the Ark of the Covenant that they were, like, doing a reproduction? Was that the Queen? I don't know. I don't know what that was. That's another thing. What's in the box? (laughs) I think there's a no, dick in the box. What's in, what's in the box? It's the queen, what's bro. They're the just box, burying man. the queen. They're just burying or, the queen. Or are they putting her back in the chamber? Does it take, like, oh, yeah. you know... Like, <laughs> oh, the Nephilim resurrection chamber. Time? The Lazarus like, chamber. They have to be yeah, they're putting her in the, like, the Lazarus like, machine, exactly. <laughs> and there's a lot of weird stuff kind of going on where they're digging up a lot of shit, arche- like, archaeologically. Is that the word? I don't know, but I'm making yeah, it Yeah, because right I just now. saw an article today that said they found pyramids in Russia. And I was like, what the hell? And they said those even <laughs> predate the ones in Egypt. And like, yeah, this might uh, disprove the whole out of Africa theory. You know, like, yeah, and they, they have them in uh, South America, too, that are hidden under uh, tons of soil and shit just for yeah. being there for yeah, thousands of years. Yeah, so like I know how I talked about that whole uh, lost chamber of knowledge in Egypt. They were, they were saying that they believe there's a... Uh, lost chamber of knowledge somewhere in the Yucatan and they think that that'll uncover some lost Atlantean text as well because that was supposedly in some kind of a prophecy or some shit that I can't remember at the moment well, yeah, in the I, Yucatan, I, I, they do that weird flattened skull thing that you actually find in like oh the skull binding yeah. remains well like, like so like white people basically our ancestors 
there's like conehead ancestors of ours who are actually genetic coneheads. The Mayans kind of copy that, which is interesting, which wouldn't be really be a thing without some sort of contact, you would think. But Yeah, I believe Nefertiti had an long skull. Oh, yeah, I think so too. Yeah, skull binding's a thing. The only place where they found like skulls that are naturally occurring coneheads are uh what was it, like Peru slash Bolivia and then Ukraine. And the ones in Peru slash Bolivia, when the DNA got tested, they were white. But of course the governments down there aren't too happy with that since they're like mestizo nationalists or whatever, so they just hide it. Yeah, no, it throws off the whole the Native Americans were here yeah. first narrative. Yeah, like more red skin thing or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> They also resurrected, they, if whoever is doing all this again, they resurrected some 4,000-year-old fowl that apparently was preserved so miraculously that they were able to withdraw liquid blood from it. Yeah, I've heard about this project they were trying to bring mammoths back. It was going to, something about that could take six generations of elephants to do I mean, if they have the DNA, can they just... Um, do I don't think they have a hundred. I don't think they have a hundred percent of the DNA. I think it's like they got the mothers, but not the fathers, kind of thing, or some weird shit where they'll have to gestate it in an elephant uh, so many cycles to eventually get a pure one. Yeah, it's kind of weird how they described it. So, uh, oh, did you want to talk about a, a certain person with a beanie that tried to slide into your DMs the other day? <laughs> I probably should um, hold off because I don't really Tim, know what's going to go on with that. Tim Pool? <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm a little bit thrown off by this news today of Alec Baldwin and his impromptu interview. So it's kind yeah, of Yeah, I saw crazy. him like trying to blubber like, oh I didn't pull the trigger and shot on its own. I was like, that's not how okay. revolvers work. I was I was kind of laughing how pathetic he was looking. I was like, how do you know he's not acting? You know, he's an actor. He's absolutely acting and what happened to uh, he's not supposed to be discussing any details of a case during an active investigation. What happened to that? Why is he fucking on 2020, like, throwing his sob story out there for people? And can everybody else involved do the same thing? Because of... Is he trying to get the case thrown out in his favor kind of thing? Is that what you think? I don't know what he's trying to do, but I know somebody else that, you know, worked on the set has recently had their phone confiscated. So did he have his phone confiscated also? Well, actors are better than all of us. Well, no shit. Especially these <laughs> ones that are involved in major distractions for whatever reason. And lest we forget, isn't Alec Baldwin on the Epstein flight logs? Yes, yeah. he was. That yes, was revealed the other day. I mean, I knew this from back when we first started collecting this shit. So interesting that all of a sudden he can go on 2020 and that's going to take precedence. People are going to be watching this. Oh, Alec Baldwin, I feel so bad for him. You know, somebody was going to sabotage him. Like, all of a sudden, everybody has some kind of weird-ass amnesia about what the person Alec Baldwin is. So, I, I'm just a little bit, like, 
I, I don't know. And then there's like the new, <laughs> and then the whole Jack Dorsey stepping out for Twitter. And now there's this new policy that you can't use photos of private people. So that sounds like something. Oh, he's a private celebrity. He's a private person. Can't use memes of this well, guy. When did celebrities become private people? Because I thought that they were in the public eye. They've always been in the public eye. That's the price right. of being famous. Hello. Him and his fake fucking dumb shit wife with her fake fucking Spanish accent. And like, what about him isn't a fucking fraud? So I got us a nice little video to watch for our blast of the past segment. Uh, let me put it up on the screen so we can all watch and comment on it. Uh, okay. I've seen this on a uh, mystery science theater. All right. <laughs> Let's go. I figured this would be fitting since it's almost time for the holidays and you know people are going to be going to parties and maybe some of them are fun and some of them are mandatory fun by your company. Great party! Hello, Eileen. This is Jean. I just had a letter from my brother and guess what? He's bringing his roommate home from college. <laughs> Mother said we can have a party for him, so I was wondering if you could come over tonight and help me plan it. I don't think they did that back then. Ah, you don't know This is one party that just has to turn out right. (laughs) Well, the purpose of a party is to have fun together. And a successful party needs planning and skill. Whether it's a special carnival designed for gay entertainment, or a game party in a home, a birthday party, a holiday party, they all take planning, and they should all be fun. Olivia Munn did it. Now, the party Jean, <laughs> Nora, and Eileen are planning. What of its purpose? The main idea is to introduce Mary. Steve to the game. Hey, yeah, I feel bad for Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> yeah, and show everyone a nice time. Right. Now listen, this is what we have to plan. A guest list, invitations, refreshments... And entertainment. Now, a guest list. Who will we ask? There'll be the three of us on our dates, and I suppose we could have an extra couple and two extra girls for Jim and Steve. And no blacks. Now, who do you think, Nora? Well, let's have Alice and Ted come. They're nice, and they're usually in our game. Margie's lots of fun. <laughs> I know. Sounds like gangbangs. Like her. That's right, Eileen. And let's. Ask Dot. We certainly had a wonderful time at her party last month. Oh, I'll say. Hmm. We all enjoy being together, but is anyone left out? I don't think so. Well, that's our guest list. Now, invitations. Should we write? Dear Alice, would you like to come to a party at my house Saturday, March 24th at 8 p.m. and so on? Why bother to write? This is just an informal party. Let's just phone everyone. Sure. Good. We'll phone tomorrow. <laughs> Next business, refreshments. Yeah. We have to feed the men. <laughs> and the girls, too. Especially <laughs> you. Gee, thanks. Does it show? <laughs> well, we want something to eat and something to drink. Refreshments. How about hot chocolate and sandwiches? I'll fix the sandwiches. Ew. Well, thanks, Eileen. You can dunk sandwiches and hot chocolate. That's a horrible idea. Yeah. All, right. All right. Now, next is entertainment. We want to show Steve a good time, but, well, we don't know too much about what he likes. The best thing I know for breaking the ice and getting people acquainted is some good mixer games. 
Oh, but they can be such a bore if you don't have good Party ones. Party sucks. Well, let's go to the library and get some good magazines and books and find some really good games. Oh, terrific. I'll do that. Oh, good. And this party can just I've be never an heard informal get magazines and books party, at a party. And we'll have games for entertainment. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Well, there are still many details to be planned. But the basic <laughs> things are settled. Guest list, invitations, refreshments, entertainment. All these things should be planned to fit together well. It's the big night. The planning and preparation will help make a good party. But what else makes a good party? It's the skill of the hosts and the skill of the guests in making the party fun for everyone. Here we are, gang. Step right in. Hi, Van. Okay. I'm alive. No, he actually he actually remixed the whole like intro in his car. How's it done? Really? Come in here, Steve. We'll wait here for the girls to put their coats away. Okay, Jean. I always picture well, Steve, what do you think of our game? What's your bet of them, I mean? Oh, they're swell. <laughs> but what's this <laughs> about me being making me a guest YouTube father? videos well, about making Jean's money? Well, that's way of keeping you quiet. <laughs> oh, I see. Marty and I were just thrilled to think you college men would call for them. Oh, a couple of campus bigwigs we are. You bet your life. They're on double secret academic probation. I hope you like our friends, fan. Is anybody else getting static? They will. No, I think it's the video, because it's the old thing. Hi, hello. Hi. Are we the first ones here? Oh, no, Margie and Dottie are here. Oh, hi, Jean. These are Kid Dottie. That's what I want. Hello, Paul. I'm so glad you could come. Well, you can't keep me away. Eileen, this is Steve. Hello, Steve. Hello, Eileen. Aren't you the party planner I've heard so much about? Well, they sing a song about her when they come on her? I just Notice how Jean helps her get that one man. From the 80s. Well, the party is off to a good start. Guests yeah, are on time. Everyone's out to have fun and to help others. Yeah, the 60s suck. And when all the guests yeah. have arrived and have been introduced, the games the begin. 40s. Well planned, well chosen games. First, a simple get together game. Each one may ask questions and try to guess his own identity. Hitler. Wow. <laughs> this mixes the group well, and besides, it provides a means of choosing partners for the next game. Having fun together makes a party. I know. This means both hosts and guests. They're not even smoking crap. Not even smoking cigarettes. Whenever any of the guests begin to lose interest in the host should start a new game. You know what this is? This is a Mormon party. This is a Mormon party. No, that guy's got stripes. I think they have to wear plain black coats. Each one should try to make the games fun. Each should take part in what the group is doing. And if some guests forget this, well, anyone, even another guest, can help get the entire group together again. Oh, Nora, Jim started that hat-making contest that you like so much. Come on. Yeah, like and in the end, we're going to give the prize the best hat. All right, now, here are your material. A hat-making contest? Well, this will reveal some talent. Fine, they're not more The pointed hats they're making? Have you noticed some of the skills what? of the guests that help keep the party fun for all? Let's look for others. I don't think she made that. I think one of the closet gay guys made all of these. 
dude is gonna start dancing. And did you ever play rhythm? One four. The, these people have no rhythm. Three. Two. Two math game. This sucks. Or how about charades? And then, at just the right moment, is anybody hungry? Everything's ready. Is anybody hungry? Well, a little snack certainly is pleasant about this time of evening. Cheese oh, sandwiches God. and hot chocolate. Simple food, buffet style, an informal way to serve refreshments. Each one can serve himself and help the others, too. Amazing. <laughs> and while everyone finishes eating, a little more spontaneous on I feel like Jesse Lee Peterson would really like this party. Oh, yeah, you know this is how Jesse Lee Peterson Probably you still go to these parties. Yeah, Is this a racist song they're about to start singing? I knew they were going to break in the song. When I was young, I used to wait on Master and him his play. No, 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 that was racist. I'm gonna say this is like the Masons. This is like they're segregated. So and like part of a good like party, party is knowing so when to go home soon after refreshments have been served. Now let's think back. What made this party such a good one? It what? What do we want to do next? I don't time? think anything made it good. If you are going to give a party, you know, here's party the problem: you, the you let women organize it. Choose your guests. No offense, Brandy. Plan invitations, plan for refreshments and entertainment. Then, practice have, to be a skillful like, host. On a Make sure the party is fun for everyone. Weird. And when you're They're invited to a party, okay. practice the skills of a good guest. Be on time, ready for fun. I thought it, you were supposed Take to be fashionably late to be cool. Help you know, everyone around you to have a good time. Leave on time, and courteously, too. Thanking your host sincerely for the good time you've had. Yeah, we're never coming back. All these things help to make a good party. Yeah, a party that's fun for all. Shut up, Boomer. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like... <laughs> Not enough gay sex for the groupers to be here. There weren't any catboys. I was gonna slam it. You took that from me. <laughs> Remember what they took from you? I too. Catboys. That's right. This is a Kiwi Farmers party. They just would have been having doxing everyone. Doing a bunch of gay ops. <laughs> I mean, at least they're funny gay ops. <laughs> oh, I like, it's, like, it's funny when you read. Like it's funny reading gay ops as long as you're not actually participating. You know what I mean? You're sitting there reading it. You're like, ah. <laughs> Gay ops are afoot. Amazing. 
like, well, I think that bring... look, though. They're like, they, it looks like there's no complications in anybody's daily thinking at all whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. they had like those perfect TV lives, you know? There was no abuse. There was no... Uh... Yeah, you know, I love oh, when yeah. women are just like... I wish I wish he I wish he lived in the nineteen fifties or whatever. It, it all I think of is just like an Irish husband coming home drunk and just brutally beating the fuck out of his wife. And then the cops taking you back to him with your property. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's like what it's like yeah, I missed the fifties too, huh? <laughs> uh, I think that wraps up our show. I'd like to thank Sinister Charlie. You're welcome. And I'd like to thank Doppler for coming out the show. Maybe we can talk about the other Cooper, Bill Cooper, and his uh, oh, book Beyond a Pale Horse, because there's a whole bunch of stuff in that. that yeah, he loves that would, guy, too. That would probably take up several shows with that kind of information. Uh, appreciate Virgie G for coming out and watching the show. Right on. I'm not sure what we'll do for our next episode. I mean, it is Christmas time, so maybe we can talk about Christmas type stuff, like the Belschnickel. Krampus time. Yeah, Krampus. Uh, there was another one I was trying to think of. Is there like a Mexican Krampus we could talk about? <laughs> the no. Chupacabra? Oh. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. <laughs> I haven't heard of that. The Chupacabra is originally from Puerto Rico, anyway. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> Well, we, about, like, dating, unfortunately, um, unfortunately, people from the one country don't actually, or the one place don't actually need a green card to get here, so they can just storm oh. across as, as many times as they want. Oh yeah, those like another thing I want to talk about, like might talk about tulpas a little bit and how maybe certain Santa sightings might be a tulpa. Oh, oh dude, what? oh we're doing schizophrenic fucking X posting. This is gonna be great. Nice. Oh yeah. So so a tulpa is like a creature that's manifested from your own beliefs. So like if a lot millions of children in the world believe in Santa, they could manifest a physical form that would look and act like Santa. When is that one yeah, like, like, manifestation magic? Yeah. Did you guys see that thing somebody posted the other day? I saw it kind of start going around where they typed in like um, the CIA files or whatever went to like the Freedom of Information Act and pulled up that this, the CIA had funded like 149 different projects that would like include drugs or magic. That's kind of interesting. That the CIA would be involved in magic. I think, the, and they used that specific word on the document. How was it spelled? Was it spelled like CK or just with the K? You I know, like a alternative I don't think it spelling? had the K. I don't think it had the K, which I believe a little bit more authentic, but I, it's the CIA, so <laughs> I don't know. But it's under the MK Ultra. Like if you go to the CIA like website and then you type in or you go to like Freedom of Information. Um, part and then you can search anything you want and then the person typed in MK Ultra and they went down a little bit um, not too long um, a few pages down and then it said that the CIA had funded and participated in over 149 projects that involved drugs and magic oh god 
Yeah. Right. Like, so, like, like um, what's it called? In in um, the movie Starship Troopers, they actually have like a, and they, I think even in the book they have a reference to that when they're talking about like the psychic powers thing, and like trying yeah. to like or, like manifest people's psychic powers. It's like, yeah, those are basically like that's just all like actual government experiments that happen. There's like a Starship Troopers. They have the Davy Crockett systems that they actually use, which we never actually used. Yeah, so there was, I think the Soviets had their own psychic uh, soldier system too, and that brought about the whole uh, remote viewing yeah. stuff. Yeah, well, if you go, didn't that, every like king have their like you know, on their royal court? They always had like a magician, a sorcerer, or some sort. Yeah, a vizier, I think, was the more interested than like the, I don't know, the advisor or the whatever they would call him. Because you had Merlin the Magician, you had uh, Pietro Rasputin. I can't think of any others at the moment. I think maybe Nostradamus might have been one. Yeah, he was... I, I uh, like I don't know. He was more of a writer, I think, than an actual... Yeah, like, well, I, I, I think he was an advisor to the Queen at one point. Like a psychic advisor. He was an advisor like to someone, but he also just, like, I think he just wrote to a lot of that stuff. I don't know. Well, I think that wraps it's, it up. It's one of the things that we're like um, supposed to just dismiss, despite all of the official documentation that super high, powerful people throughout history have lended a lot of credit credence to these topics. But oh, yeah, when they when they just straight up ignore it, like when they should pretend it's not real and just redact all the documents, though, it's like, well, how are you? How are you supposed to know about it? You know? No, I know. This document bullshit. Freedom of Information Act is like a joke. It's just another illusion. We'll, we'll let you know a little bit, and then by the time we release anything, anybody involved will be dead. It's like all the JFK like, uh, files they released, but everything's redacted, so you yeah, just well, see hundreds of pages that are just blacked out, so that didn't even with right. David Even with David fucking Pilates, right, when he's looking for the one missing, missing person, person, I think it was in, like, uh... I think it was in Yosemite or whatever. They just they wouldn't give him the documents, even with Freedom of Information Information Act. He asked them and they denied him. It's like okay, that's right. that's strange. Yeah, that doesn't come off as shady at all. Yeah, like well, what, what happened to this woman? You know. Or... Right. But whatever. It's all an illusion. We'll pretend that you have the freedom of this yeah. thing, but we can actually give it to you. We're just gonna like, oh, <laughs> better be faking gay again. <laughs> hey, uh, I, I don't like you guys questioning our government, and I think it's really bad. Um, <laughs> Wear the mask, inject yourself. <laughs> you, you think no, no, we'll I end up with it. another disclaimer under the episode like the last one? Cause that's, I hope so, uh, man. That's what it, what we have gotten disclaimed this time? I don't know. We did, the CIA? TB Cooper being a, a, fed, a fed boy and a member of, like... Well, so they, don't really, they don't really don't like it when you talk about, like, what the fucking CIA was doing in Vietnam and shit. They get butthurt as fuck about that sometimes. Just because it's like, like the, uh, was it, MARSOC or whatever the fuck that program was, where they were just like gunning down p- people and committing, like they were doing experiments on like villagers and shit too. Yeah, but they were also like in Laos and Cambodia. Yeah, I'm sure probably Burma as well. Yeah, they were, they were all over Southeast Asia just doing whatever the fuck they wanted. It was for our That's freedom, CIA. damn it. As the CIA it's does, now, now they prefer game. South America. Well, wasn't that where, like, the heroin came from back in the day? Like, mm-hmm. that area before it became from yep. Afghanistan? Because they had an area yep. they called the Golden Triangle. Yep, yep. They, they they basically they used to get opium from China, Southeast Asia. Now then, then they switched over to, you know, 
getting it from Afghanistan. Yeah, they, but now they they're growing in Mexico, it. so it's closer. Yeah, they went into it in that movie American Gangster, which I thought was pretty good. Yeah. So it's all CIA shit. It's literally all CIA shit. Yeah, they're they're crazy. They're weird. They I don't know. They don't play by anybody else's anybody's rules but their own, and they rarely follow those. So. I see job listings for them every now and then. So, uh, but it's usually their subcontractor, which is Booz Allen Hamilton. That's hiring. Why would they even place an ad? I wouldn't like. They need people to work. Their own network That's... to just contact people directly. No, no, like you can see them job listing sites. From, like a CIA That's just uh, so I had, I had, uh, I seen a job offer like a few years ago with them, and it was out of Tulsa, and they wanted someone to maintain the avionic systems on a you know one of those cream white colored aircraft but they also wanted you to fly with the air crew they wanted you to go to the seer school and i was like uh my job doesn't require me to fly on the airplane while it's in the air it's like i can fix it when it's on the ground and i don't need to know how to do the how you know what was it uh survive escape evade or whatever that yeah was. uh <laughs> I, don't, I don't i don't need to know how to skin a rabbit yet so <laughs> I, with the D.B. Cooper thing, didn't, like, the end of Without a Paddle, that comedy movie with Seth Green and Doc Shepard, I forget who our guy is in it, didn't, at the end of that movie, don't they go into a cave and they, like, speculate that that was his money and bones and shit that they found? That's, like, my extent of that knowledge before uh, the show. Yeah. I don't, I don't I think that. I've seen that movie. And Doppler's gone because his computer crashed again. Damn. I'm surprised mine doesn't crash. I have like the worst fucking service. Oh, I, I had restarted my computer and like cleared out the cache before I started the show. And then right when I hit play, we'll start up the music. Streamlabs crashes. I'm like, son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. Turned it back on and everything was working. So At least it didn't cut out in the middle of the show. Yeah. I went in now. This show sounded great on my end. <laughs> awesome. I, I wasn't too worried about audio. It was just like I had allergies bugging me, and uh, the last few days, and Doppler said you had a cold, so it's like okay, I don't think your audio will be too bad. Right. No, it sounded good. It was fine. I was trying to listen. I was like driving around, and my thing kept oh, shit. from my car to my ear, and I'm like. Oh, this is like annoying. So I just like stayed muted the whole time because of all the racket. But I'm like literally driving around town. I was thinking you're like in the shower listening to the show. You're just like, I'll just mute. <laughs> no, I I had to leave. Like I just got kind of sidetracked today, like out of nowhere, and um, it kind of pushed me back from like everything I needed to do. I thought the show started at 6 or whatever, so I figured I'd be, like, okay by that time. But, um, whatever. I, I still have to do this shit. I need to do something something, I suppose. <laughs> so, Brandy, where can people find you at on social media? Oh, they can follow me on Twitter at at goth underscore gypsy and, um, that's pretty much the best place to go looking for me. I'm on Facebook, but I don't really... Everything I do is kind of within a group, so... I'm just trying to stick 
stay alive a little bit longer. <laughs> Minister Charlie, where can our viewers find you at on social media? Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter, and it's at Sinister Charlie, C-I-N-E-S-T-E-R-C-H-A-I-A-R-L-I-E. And you can also find me on YouTube if you just search the way that's spelled, Sinister Charlie, you'll find me on there too. And where can our fans find you at? I do a show called It's Almost a Podcast. I uh, My co-host is a former scene girl. Rar, rar it all makes sense now. We uh, take shots every time she goes to drink. Dude, I pee a lot. And, uh, you know, she's super tiny about it. Dude, I'm a three-foot demon. So you can find us on Spotify and Anchor. <laughs> we'll soon be on Apple. And uh, where else, Lane? Somewhere in Africa. Oh, okay. Uh, you can use our promo code. Use promo code P in a cup. And uh, yeah, you know, give us a follow. Mm-hmm. And they're lambs. They follow. Bat. 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 Christ, bro. You didn't know how badly you roast them with their No, they don't. Yeah, they listen to the show. I usually play Lane uh, the outro. She's like, I can't, I can't sit through t- uh, t- uh, two hours of conspiracy theories. So I just play for yeah. the the end of the show, and she's all like, "Oh my god!" Rar, XD. No, please, fucking stop. I haven't seen that typed in years, man. And then you can follow me on Twitter. Like the show is Atomic Shaman Sweat Lodge at Motel and RV Park, and you can find my regular main account, which. You know, I, I post a lot of anime girls and stuff, and that's just what separates the wheat from the chaff. And that account is <laughs> at Big Sip of Monster. That. <laughs> <laughs> is there one more in there? <laughs>